Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody. I'm Richard Hunter. He is Frank Muir. I am sitting outside a whorehouse in the southern Nevada desert. Frank <laughs> Muir is not here, by the way, uh, in case Mrs. Muir is listening. He's far away from here. Uh, as far away from here as he could get. Frank, where are you? Well, right now I'm just in Miami, getting ready to board a flight to Frankfurt, Germany, to uh, then, I think, connect somewhere else, Almaty, or, and then I'm going to... Uh, Dushanabi, I'm probably just mauling the name, uh, Tajikistan. Oh, boy. Uh, okay, well, hopefully it's printed on paper somewhere, right? Because if they're relying on you to verbally tell them where you want to go, I'm concerned about where you may end up. Yeah, well, it's a good thing. It's funny. I'm making a career here as a commentator. My pronunciation of names and places is uh, pretty strong. Horrible. So, so far, it seems like as long as I know about fighting, people seem to want to listen. So, all right. So you're you're fresh off the 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 cruise, the Disney cruise that you were on has uh, de deboarded in uh, Miami, and then you say adieu to the family. They come back home, but you head off the other direction. You head east so that you can yeah. go call an ACB card. Is that what happened? Back to work. Uh, not even a day off from vacation. Wow. So I went from vacation to immediately to work. So uh, we, were, we were getting our bags ready last night to go. I had to make sure that I had my bag in particular divided off from the families, knowing that, you know, they were going home and I was uh, going abroad. We got some big break in Bellator news to talk about here momentarily. And a little bit later, I'll be joined by Shannon Knapp, the president of Invicta Fighting Championships, to talk about Invicta 22, which is this weekend on UFC Fight Pass. First, though, Frank, got to find out how the cruise was. I know this isn't oh. your first Disney cruise. How'd it go? No, it's, uh, my wife and I and our kids, it's our third one. So, uh, you know, Jen loves them, and uh, that's why I'm flying off again, so I can pay for the next one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you just have, I'll be traveling just, quite a bit. <laughs> do you just have ACB wire the money directly to the Disney Corporation? Do you ever even see a check? Well, it, it stops right at Mrs. Mayor account. You know, <laughs> where it goes from there, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen a check in like 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how was it? Oh, it was awesome, man. We had a good time. There, well, there was like about 28 of us in the group. Uh, you know, uh, Joe and Britta uh, went, you know, uh, Brittany, you know, Britta. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, we had uh, Troy, uh, my friend that, you know, uh, I do stuff with out there in uh, Oklahoma that always uh, helps take care of the uh, uh, appearances and whatnot. And his wife, Jessica, and their boys and his brother, Derek. And then uh, we had um, uh, Nicole was with us. Uh, uh, Amsden and uh, her boys, and then uh, uh, friends of ours from Orlando, uh, uh, Chris and uh, Jamie uh, O'Brien and their boy Cole and their mom, uh, uh, Kim. So it was a huge group. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll send you the, well, I'll probably post up the uh, picture so you can see it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we took a group picture together, and, you know, amazingly, I think we got all the kids to finally look at once. I think there was like 13 kids. It was uh, so uh, quite a few. Wow, no, no wonder Disney loves you. I mean, you you've got a you've got a pretty big family as it is, 
But you don't just stop there. You recruit a bunch of other families to go. Um, I'm recruiting more. And actually, and then we just got back here and uh, I hung out with Abe and Malky for a couple hours while we were waiting for flights. And, I, you know, and they have their daughters. So I was like, uh, so already they were getting recruited onto the next one also. So. Wow. Wow. That's uh, that sounds like a, uh, a fun time. You know, we're, we're not there yet, but down the line, it would be cool if we could do a phone booth fighting cruise. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Adam Carolla has his own cruise. He does. One. No shit, really. Yep, yep, he does one. And uh, I'm just thinking that uh, you know we might have to pair up with a couple other uh, uh, well-known podcasts. Maybe, maybe Chael Sonnen and uh, maybe Fighter and the Kid or something like that. But yeah, uh, uh, there's Adam Carolla has uh, has already uh, set the precedent for that. For podcast no cruises, yeah, that'd be cool, right? Yeah, right now I think we might be a fishing boat. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> with the people wanting to go, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, cool. Well, that sounds good. I have been left in the care of the bonsai tree. And yes, I meant to ask you, is, is uh, no bad news? Nope. Looks good. <laughs> it's holding up just fine. I tell you what, it's, I've never, I, I've never had any experience with the bonsai tree. You asked me to care for yours and, uh, it's, it's simple. I mean, I'm just watering it every night, but th there is some sort of psychological pressure that comes along with knowing that this thing saw World War II, you know? Yes. That is one of the worst and best gifts I've ever received. Yeah. I got it from my mother-in-law. And when they gave it to me, I was like, oh, it's a bonsai tree. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I've never really been taking care of a plant my whole life. So my first one's going to be a 75-year-old bonsai tree that if uh, I miss watering it one day could possibly die. Yeah, uh, yeah that was uh, – <laughs> well, you've now felt my stress for the last five days. Yeah. Now, in theory, do these just live – forever i mean con conceivably well yeah there was a couple there that they purchased and they were actually looking into getting me and thank god they didn't one was like 300 years old i'm like yeah no please don't do that to me Holy can you imagine being God. responsible for something that old and, no. and screwing up like they're like hey how's the bonsai tree You're like oh shit yeah i left it outside and they, you know <laughs> and, and it froze last <laughs> night you know like god you know like oh man yeah. you know like yeah. Yeah. And, then, and I travel so much that, like, it's funny. I call home to the wife and kids. You know, I'm like, okay, hey, guys, I love you. Who watered the bonsai tree? Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, I guess, you, like, you got to leave that to somebody, I guess, right? Yeah, I'm assuming so. Yeah, they'll outlive me. So, yeah. yeah, I guess the kids can take it. And hopefully, you know, they're old and, the, you know, well, they, they take care of it half the time when I'm out of town, anyways. So, well, it's going to be, they can uh, pass it on. It's going to be interesting because it's, it's going to be a real telling sign for the mere children to, uh, uh, you know, they probably right now have their suspicions about who's your favorite. But <laughs> once the tree is bequeathed, they will know who you deem to be the most responsible. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they could just do a, a, a timeshare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that's the problem, though. They could like, rotate every month. Yeah. The thing is, though, I mean, it's a, it's a day to day operation, though. So you got to make sure that uh, somebody's on top of it. It's made me want to watch The Karate Kid again. Because I remember that was the first thing that uh, that Daniel-san learned about Mr. Miyagi is that he cared for the little tiny trees. Yep. The next thing you know, uh, Pat Morita had Ralph Macchio waxing his cars. There you go. See, that's what I'm starting you off. You think you're just taking care of the plant. But eventually, 
your rear naked choke is going to be unbelievable. So every time you tilt the cup, you're actually practicing chokes. So. It's all. It starts with the bonsai tree. It all culminates in me winning a uh, tournament with the uh, the the indefensible crane kick, right? I'll go for gold at Naga. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although I imagine I would be disqualified once I threw the kick. <laughs> They, but it would be one hell of a YouTube video. It would be. It would be. We'll get a lot of hits on that one. All right, let's talk some fights. Uh, we're going to go Bellator heavy here because uh, Bellator has been making big news the last couple of days. I don't know how much you've, you've seen of it uh, in international waters, Frank. But first of all, our good pal, Chael Sonnen, has his next fight made. He is going to take on the axe murderer, Vandalay Silva, in a fight that was supposed to happen years back in the UFC. Oh, wow. It's going to headline a card at Madison Square Garden in June. Here's the real kicker. It's going to be on pay-per-view. Bellator is going to make their sophomore effort at the, uh, the pay-per-view business. Now, that's going to be the headliner. And Fedor Emelianenko versus Matt Mitrione will be the co-headliner. That's another fight that's been rescheduled. Uh, we can speculate on who else might be put on that card. But right now, as I tell you that news, Frank, uh, with, with Chael and Vanderlei in the main, Fedor and Mitrione in the co-main, pay-per-view in June, how do you think that sells? I think it does unbelievable. I mean, Chael Sonnen is a huge draw i mean we've seen how many i mean just recently his numbers with tito ortiz i mean tito's still a big draw but i, I still think that you know chael makes one hell of a fucking interesting case for to watch him fight yeah uh you know i mean uh, honestly i think you know <clears throat> you know i think guys like connor are good at selling fights but honestly i think as far as marketing and the ability to talk and on the on the fly to make things up i, I think chael's kind of second to none really uh you know he's one of the best uh with the mic and so uh you know i think there's a huge backstory between vangelay silva and him i think the animosity is going to be 100 percent genuine i know for a fact that vangelay silva despises chael sonnen if he could get the referee out of there and fight into his <laughs> to the point to where it really came down to the fact that uh the two of them entered only one of them left vangelay couldn't be happier yeah you and know so uh I think it'd be an exciting one. You know, I think Matt Mitrione and, uh, you know, Fedor's a solid coat. You know, it. I was thinking about this, as far as I can remember, this would be the first time that the UFC has, in, in a sense, kind of done Bellator's marketing for them in terms of laying the predicate for this fight. Now, you know, we were talking on our last episode about the rumors that Matt Hughes is considering a, a, a comeback fight in Bellator. And by the way, there's a little more news on that because Hoist Gracie has weighed in and said he would take that fight in a second. So we may see uh, Hoist and Hughes part two over in Bellator, but that fight did happen in the UFC. In the case of Chael and Vanderlei, that was a fight that was not only announced, uh, it had a whole season of the Ultimate Fighter leading up to it where the two were coaching against each other. We had a press conference that I attended where, you know, the, the, the fight was promoted, and it wasn't really until, you know, pretty close to the 11th hour that the fight was called off. So in a weird way... It's like the UFC, even though it's a few years removed, 
kind of did all the advanced promotion for Bellator to eventually realize this opportunity. Yeah, Bellator's doing a good job of taking advantage of where they can see to bring themselves into that uh, position. Um, you know, the UFC can only keep so many people under banner unless they're going to start just paying guys to permanently retire. Uh, they're going to run into this situation. And I think they kind of did, you know, and, uh, with their old uh, uh, ambassador-type spots. That they, yeah. You know, Forrest had, still has, but Forrest, you know, works really well with the company. Uh, you know, Matt Hughes had that ambassador spot. And, uh, Chuck Liddell had an ambassador spot. And so essentially, I think that another way of looking at it was that these guys were put on payroll so that they would, you know, and I think you and I had talked about that. You said that, you know, they could uh, basically, to the extent of their possible career, you know, you know, a guy can come back and still fight. You know, we've seen Dan Henderson fight at 46, but you know, I think that if you keep them on payroll until their late 40s, early 50s, you pretty much guarantee that you'll never have to have a situation where the competitor, you know, Bellator, puts one of these guys on a, uh, uh, a headline fight, and that's the situation they're having now. Yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a, a real opportunity for Bellator. I mean, the timing is right. You know, as I say, I mean they're 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 still a distant number two, but they're 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 making up quite a bit of ground uh, because of of timing, but also smart moves that they've made. Uh, and and uh, you know, the majority of those would would likely fall at the feet of Scott Coker. So no no surprises there. All right. So if they announce it, that by the way, the pay per view. Will be uh, it's Bellator 180. That's going to be on June 24th. Now I was looking to see what the UFC had planned around there because it, it's also a good time to catch the UFC in uh, a little bit of a lull because if you think about it, Frank, that will be prior to the big July card that happens every year in Las Vegas. So you know the UFC will be stacking that card. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, maybe the, the card the month before, the month after is a little light. And the UFC 212 pay-per-view, the pay-per-view for June, is going to be Jose Aldo versus Max Holloway. Now, that's, that's going to be a great fight. That's a fight I want to see down in Brazil. But in terms of a couple of guys that, you know, can really take to media to market a pay-per-view, um, you know, neither one of them at this point are, are Conor McGregor on the mic. So that also probably leads a little bit to Bellator's benefit that they're not going to be competing that particular month with a UFC card that right at the top of the card has, you know, the kind of fighter uh, like a Conor or a Ronda that's going to be all over mainstream television to promote it. I agree with you. I think it's a great opportunity. And I'm curious if, if uh, the UFC keeps it going, because we've seen in the past where they've now recently had cards that were going to, you know, to go along with Bellator. And I think so they didn't have to deal with a direct correlation of competing. They didn't want to have that. So uh, if I remember correctly, they had a fight scheduled at the same time, the Tito and Chael, Tito and Chael yep. uh, battle, and they canceled it now obviously that was because you know uh, bellator was going to be a non-pay-per-view event so it's readily more available for people to watch that and not have to pay you know 60 some dollars to, to, to purchase a pay-per-view so i think they'll be on more of an even playing field if bellator's on playing uh, doing a pay-per-view but i'm curious if they decide not to either go one or two directions one tone it down and not even put one up or 
go ahead and try to pull out a you know some of their bigger stars that are draws on pay-per-view to go ahead and try to uh you know bury bellator and, and start putting that narrative that they're still number one because i mean i think that right now that's kind of what everybody's talking about you know bellator's on the rise they're getting a lot more attention you know uh around the world and ufc right now they're in a downsizing stage of their uh the organization everything is is cutting back letting people go cutting corners uh i was just sitting here talking to some of the guys and they're talking about that you know now that when they with the fighters and they see at some of the events that you know ufc is renting hotel rooms that are 40 minutes away from the venue to save money and you know oh, so yeah. that just shows you the mindset of where the ufc is right now i mean and i understand that, you know they just spent 4.2 billion dollars to purchase the company uh right now they're trying to make this profitable as soon as possible uh but i think that makes for a perfect storm for somebody to go ahead and really take over and and, and increase their uh their their share of the uh hold of the share of uh, mma viewers well if i were to guess i would think that the ufc of, of your two scenarios you just pitched on uh june 3rd at ufc 212 i would think what they would try to do is step on the gas a little bit because they will precede that Bellator pay-per-view by a couple of weeks. So they have an advantage there because let's say if they put on something that's very compelling to buy and you buy it the first weekend of the month, maybe you've already shot your budget by the time the, you know, the third weekend of the month rolls around. As I look at the card right now for what's announced, uh, besides the main event of Aldo and Holloway for the uh, featherweight title, uh, Kelvin Gastelum and Anderson Silva are going to be on that card. You figure right now that's probably sitting in the co-main event spot. But other than that, not a lot of things to drive uh, purchases toward pay-per-view. I'm sure they could add toward that. Now, if you look at Bellator, because I do think we have to talk now, Frank, about what else you put on that Bellator pay-per-view card to really knock it out of the park. Because I do think that Bellator is going to have to do a little more than even the UFC would do on a given pay-per-view month in order to get people to do something they're not used to doing, which is paying for the Bellator product. You know, right or wrong, uh, that that Fedor Mitrione fight was already was going to be offered for free. So while I think it holds a legitimate place as a co-main event on a pay-per-view, I think Bellator is going to have to to stack that card uh, e even deeper uh, in, in order to make it uh, really sellable. Now, I'm looking at Bellator's schedule, so let's talk about what other fighters they could add to that card to uh, uh, make it, uh, you know, make it purchase-worthy. Um, I guess, uh, well, first of all, Michael Chandler's out there. Uh, they, they could put him on there. Uh, always uh, a great fight. Always great to watch him fight. But the thing is, if we're going to look at sort of, um, you know, marquee names that are, are uh, recognizable to the, the average viewer. Now, we're about to see uh, King Mo and Rampage Jackson fight. That's going to be this month on March 31st. So March, you know, April, May june roughly three months away uh depending on the outcome of that fight i mean you know you could put rampage or mo or both on that fight card and uh i think particularly in the case of rampage jackson that would probably help push pay-per-view sales a little bit more as well what do you think oh, yeah that would be huge and then i mean if right now they can accelerate the whole matt hughes conversation oh um, yes yeah i think that would be a massive uh 
No, you know uh, what? That's it. You're right. Injection. That's what you do. You put, you put, I didn't even think about that. You put Hughes and Hoist on that card for, you know, the, the, the old timers or the, you know, the people who, uh, were, were in the habit of buying all the pay-per-views, uh, you know, better part of 10 years ago. And that's a, that's a big sell. Now, uh, Bellator, and here's, here's some more news you, you may not be aware of, but Bellator just had two big signings, uh, two big free agent signings. One of them is Lorenz Larkin, and the other one is Ryan Bader. He is now signed with Bellator. So Those are the two big ones. I don't think people even understood why Lorenz Larkin was released from the UFC, but I think that's that conversation again of the guys that haven't quite made it to the superstar status, that they're feeling that they can go ahead and grab the guys in the lower tier, raise them up to that same level that a Lorenz Larkin was starting to become, but for a lot cheaper. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you what you do. You put uh, you put uh, Hoist and Matt on there. You've already got Fedor and Mitrione, and you got Chell and Vanderlei headlining, and then you put Bader and Phil Davis on the card as uh, Davis is Bellator's lightweight champion or light heavyweight champion. And then something else that, for Pedro. They fought once already, if they I remember did. correctly. And, wasn't and a little Bader, bit of boring? It was. It wasn't exciting. Bader beat him. That's certainly going to be the case Bader's going to have for you know getting an immediate title shot in the organization when he's got a win over their champion. Uh, yeah, and I don't know how exciting it would be a second time around. You know, it, it, There may be just kind of a lot of wrestling going on, but that's okay because you you can you know you can market it as a championship fight and a couple of uh, UFC alumni without having to count on that particular fight to drive all the pay-per-view sales. So if that's like I mean if you could have a light heavyweight title fight in the first or second slot of a five fight pay-per-view, that'd be pretty impressive. Yeah. That would definitely. And then, you know, Brazil is still one of the biggest followers of the MMA. I mean, you know, USA, Brazil, you know, I know Canada is still big, but uh, they get a lot of viewers from Brazil. And so having a Vandalay Silva on there, having a, a Hoist Gracie on there, that you really get a lot of that uh, the Brazilian injection of, uh, of viewers. And I think that makes for a lot of sales. Yeah. Now, I think the, the other thing we haven't factored into this conversation yet, though, is by that time, so the UFC has not officially announced the July pay-per-view card, but they do one every year here in Las Vegas, International Fight Week. You know, it's the biggest biggest uh, week of the UFC's uh, year typically. And it would be uh, it would be believed that that's when George St. Pierre is going to make his comeback, that that's when we're going to get GSP and Michael Bisping. So... Uh, as well as possibly the uh, the return of John Jones, because that that'd be right around the time his suspension will be up. So we do have to factor in that while right now all we have to talk about around that time is this announced Bellator card. By the time the Bellator card rolls around, if the UFCPR department is firing on all cylinders, they're going to have us talking about their big international fight week card. So Bellator will have that to contend with as well. Yeah, but I think, though, that, you know, it still comes right before that, and then people are willing to go ahead and still buy the pay-per-view. I think anybody who's putting money to the side to come out to the fights, yeah. I think that there's no way they're not going to be tempted to go ahead and spend the money to watch the pay-per-view with a card like that. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I it's it's timing. I, I I can't imagine a better scenario really working out at this point. All things considered, for Bellator in that equation. Now, reports of their first pay per view card were that it sold about a hundred thousand buys. Do you think they do well north of that uh, with the card we're we're talking about? Oh yeah, I think that with the card that we're talking about, I think. 350 to 450 is not an outrageous number for them to aim for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if they price it a little bit cheaper too. You know, they can always play that angle. You know, they can always, they're, they've got more flexibility on that than the UFC does because they have existing pay-per-view contracts. So it seems like it would be very wise of Bellator to try to come in at least $10 cheaper uh, so that when you see the side-by-side comparison, that's attractive to the prospective buyer. I agree. That's another angle that would be, uh, I think, would be a good advantage for them to take, you know, uh, take of. And it's Madison Square Garden. I mean, let's don't forget about that. We saw what uh, the UFC's debut at Madison Square Garden was able to do with Conor McGregor. And, uh, you know, they're not going to do Conor numbers, but uh, there does seem to be a certain amount of you know, PR push that just comes with the fact that you're in the biggest media market in the country in uh, one of the most famous arenas in the country. And, and so Bellator likely is, is going to benefit extensively from that and also factor in that that very same month, the UFC will be in Brazil, which, of course, is the birthplace of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but typically not where the UFC has put on their bigger uh, pay-per-view cards, at least in recent years. That's something to look forward to, and it was some unexpected yeah. uh, news about uh, Bellator hijacking the headlines this week, and I'm also excited for our, uh, our, our our friend, and I guess I should say sometimes partner, Chell Sonnen, because we're going to be doing more of these, uh, these suspended live stage shows. That was the first thing that came to my mind selfishly, Frank, was like, hmm, I wonder how this is going to work around our booking schedule. So we've got to get some more of these live shows booked before his training camp gets uh, too intense, I think. True, and then right afterwards with his strike with the irons hot, huh? That's right. You know, you hear Frank and I talk all the time about training with the great Robert Drysdale, a truly legendary name in the world of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, we're lucky enough to do that here in Las Vegas where his flagship gym is based. He does have affiliates in various parts of the world that you can find online. But you know what? Even if you're nowhere near one of those affiliates, you can train online through Robert Drysdale's virtual Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. That's right. If you go to drysdalebjj.com, that is the online virtual academy of the multi-time Jiu-Jitsu world champion and ADCC absolute champion, the aforementioned Robert Drysdale. Right there, members can access all of Robert's instructional videos from anywhere at any time. I train with the guy personally. I still like going and looking at the videos because they're a great refresher course on the stuff that I'm learning or maybe something I haven't seen him teach in class. But you can learn directly online from Robert himself by going to DrysdaleBJJ.com. If you join today and start improving your jiu-jitsu skills at DrysdaleBJJ.com forward slash phone booth, Use the promo code PHONEBOOTH to receive 10% off your monthly and yearly membership. That's a huge savings exclusively for Phone Booth Fighting listeners just by entering the promo code PHONEBOOTH at checkout. And every yearly membership comes with a free Venom Gi. 
I've been wearing that exact free Venom Gi for about a month now uh, in class. It feels great. Lightweight, just in time for summer, exactly the way I like it. Venom makes an awesome product, and you can get one of those absolutely free with a yearly membership by going to drysdalebjj.com forward slash phone booth. Enter that promo code phone booth at checkout. Receive 10% off your monthly and yearly membership and tell them phone booth fighting sent you. Earth's Brew. Folks, you've heard Frank and I talk about it now for a number of weeks. It is an all-natural, plant-based way to relax without the burdens of traditional alcohol. When you're talking about calorie intake, when you're talking about the hangover feel, none of that comes along with Earth's Brew. You can go beyond alcohol to a state of relaxation and mental clarity and get in the present. Earth's Brew is a drink for the modern age of better nutrition, better fitness, and better knowledge that helps you tackle life with a calm, clear-minded confidence that can take you to that next level. The next evolution is here, and you can get in the present with Earth's Brew. Frank and I enjoy sitting around sipping on it while we're taping a phone booth fighting podcast. I personally enjoy it after I get done training jujitsu. I keep uh, the little uh, packets of it in my gym bag. You, uh, it's just a little uh, little uh, packet of powder. You mix it up in six or eight ounces of water. Uh, I shake it up in a, a drink bottle. I liken it to like a mild lemonade taste. It's a it's a pleasant beverage to drink. You'll feel great. It's 15 calories per package. No artificial colors. No artificial sweeteners. It's sweetened with stevia, so it's all natural, plant-based, and it gives you a great relaxing feel. Right now, this is the best part, if you go to earthsbrew.com and enter the promo code PHONEBOOTH exclusively for phone booth fighting listeners, you can get 10% off all orders at checkout. Earthsbrew.com was created by a couple of listeners to phone booth fighting just like yourself. They had the idea for Earthsbrew. They launched their product, and now they support phone booth fighting, and we like our listeners to support them. Earthsbrew.com is the website. Promo code PHONEBOOTH for 10% off all orders. All right, well, let's uh, do this. Let's give a listen to my conversation with Shannon Knapp. Uh, I got a chance to speak with her about Invicta 22, which is coming up this weekend, the ladies in action, exclusively on UFC's Fight Pass with the Invicta Bantamweight title on the line in a much-anticipated rematch following a very controversial original outcome. Joining me on the guest line now is the president of Invicta Fighting Championships, uh, Invicta 22, going down this Saturday night live from Kansas City and uh, seen exclusively on UFC's Fight Pass. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to Shannon Knapp. Shannon, good to talk to you again. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. Well, well thanks I, for having me on the show. Anytime, we're always excited when it's Invicta Fight Week. And uh, now I have to tell you, I am without my partner on this segment because Frank is on a cruise. He's somewhere in the Bahamas, but he's calling in periodically and uh, taping. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's he's taping the. Sh- he's not letting a family vacation get in the way of our podcast, which I appreciate. There uh, you he, go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's calling in whenever he gets intermittent uh, reception, but it's a little touch and go. So I told him I would handle this one. Uh, on my own today uh, but that's okay because we have plenty to talk about uh, certainly not the least of which is is the main event which is a rematch between uh, Invicta Bantamweight champion Tanya Evinger 
and uh, and Yana Kanetskawa, she um, challenged Tanya for the title uh, a number of months back, and that fight ended in some controversy. And and maybe we can kind of start there and and just explain to everybody uh, why this is such an anticipated rematch. Yeah, you know, the, uh, it didn't. You know, that fight, the first time, the first match between Bid and in a huge amount of controversy to the point that the decision was actually overturned by the commission. Yeah. So this is a repeat of what we, you know, we've done once before, and hopefully everything will go nice and smooth this time. But uh, during the last event, uh, Tony Aventer, uh, Yana had went to apply a, a uh, arm bar. On Tanya, Tanya took her foot and placed it on Yana's face to create leverage to pull out of the armbar, and she was, you know, definitely was succeeding at that, you know, with the foot on the face and you know, yeah. posturing up and pulling the arm out. When the ref told her that she had to take the foot off the face, that like it was an illegal uh, move, you know, or mm-hmm. an illegal position would be the better way to say it. And so the minute that Tanya took the foot off the face. Of course, from the position that, you know, she had, you know, starting to stretch the arm out and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, Yana got her in the armbar immediately once the foot went off the face. So it was actually, you know, so essentially what happened was the ref told Tanya to put the foot in the armbar, essentially, because the move that she, you know, the foot on the face is not an illegal right. or position to be in. So that's how it all kind of went down, just for your viewers in case they don't know. Um, so that's why we're back at, uh, you know, redoing this fight. Yeah. To, it's going to be an interesting one. And, and yeah. there's major heat on it, you know? Yeah, they yeah. mad at each other. Well, they don't like each other. I know. Well, you know, Tanya is, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, she, she certainly seems, uh, and, and, and rightfully so, uh, like she was, she was irritated because you know I think she knew all along uh, the 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 nuance is that you can't you couldn't stomp on on the head to get out of that arm bar right. but you could uh, apply pressure on on the head and I you know I could tell just watching the first fight from her reaction that she knew all along that that you know what it was like that time that uh, Dan Quayle made that kid put that e on potato. When uh, he made him spell it wrong, and the kid knew all along, you know that uh, that's right. not how you spell potato. Yeah, that's what it reminded me. Of. She, uh, no, it, yeah. it, it, you know, I, I, because if if I couldn't put my foot on somebody's head, I don't think I would have ever gotten out of an arm bar. So uh, it, it's a good thing that's <laughs> not illegal. Right? <laughs> you know, is that one of these? Uh, you know, Shannon, uh, we never stop learning, of course, in the in the world of mixed martial arts, but. Uh, uh, are, are there very many occasions that, that come along for you personally like that where it kind of surprises you that, uh, well, wait a second, there's some confusion over what might seem to a lot of people like a real basic rule? Do you find yourself surprised like that oh. very often? Well, normally I'd like to say no, I don't. Yeah. Through my career, no, really haven't. <laughs> Past couple shows here in Kansas, and, and actually we're on the Missouri side, yes. I mean, we had the, you know, then we go from that fight to the next event. And, you know, we had the Jin Yu Frey, uh, not Jin Yu Frey, what am I saying? Um, Amy Montenegro and, oh, I'm escaping my name, Celine Haga. Yes, that yes, fight, yes. Where the bell goes, you know, I mean, I mean that was just a whole fight of complication. Yeah. You know, originally, one thing that she tapped during a round, but the bell had already went. Then the other one that didn't allegedly tap at the end of the fight, she's out cold from, you know, uh, Selena, uh, from a choke. 
Yeah. But they still gave the girl that was out the fight. So, you know, so yeah, I'd like to say no. <laughs> this doesn't happen very often, but <laughs> lately, yeah. we're quite the repeat offenders over here for some reason. <laughs> uh, so. ab- absolutely. Well, it certainly creates a lot of anticipation for, for rematches like this main event. If we can go back to that for a second, you know, going into that first fight, um, th- there wasn't, you know, it was an interesting physical matchup because. Uh, you had a couple of, of long, lanky, rangy uh, Bantamweight fighters, but in Yana's case, there wasn't uh, j- just a whole lot known about her, or at least uh, maybe as much tape on her as there would be on a lot of other fighters. Do you think maybe that has, has benefited, uh, you know, having, having to, this redo has benefited Tanya a little bit, and for that matter, the, the promotion in terms of being able to build up a little more anticipation and a little more knowledge about her skill set? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, anytime that you're doing something, I mean, you done done the dance once. I mean, for Tanya, so I'm sure, you know, this, is, you know, opens up a lot of, you know, not more knowledge about Yana. You know, that I'm sure she's going to utilize to her advantage, of yeah. course, this time. But the same can be said for Yana. You know, Yana yeah. has done the dance now once, too. So, you know, I think I think it puts them both in a fair position. Does it help Invicta? Yeah, sure. You know, when there's controversy, I'm sure, that, you know, People get involved, they get invested emotionally, passionately, whether you're on one side or the other. So, yeah, I think, you know, it definitely isn't hurting us. I mean, kind of sucks that you have to, you know, do it again. And, you know, you got two belts out there already. So that yeah. kind of thing. But, you know, other than that, it just, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, yeah. I think the fans are going to love the fight regardless because the first time there wasn't as much emotion and passion built around the fight there was just for the fact that anytime you have a belt on the line you know people want the belt so they're emotional and invested but now you got this whole storyline with it you've got both you know Yana and Tanya that have felt like they were jilted you know and, and there's animosity between them so there you have a whole bunch of new dynamics that I think are going to make it more exciting for sure well unfortunately that the outcome of that the erroneous outcome was overturned because Tanya Evinger has been on a win streak that's gone hasn't this thing gone in excess of like five five years or something like that now she's she's been on a long yeah, I mean, win yeah streak. It's, I mean she's been tearing it up I mean you know rightly so I mean she's been doing an amazing job she, mm-hmm. she's you know, a lot of athletes at her age, you know, and that have been in the game as long as her, you know, certainly at this point, you're not seeing them involved as opposed to just hanging on. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. What What do you so think? Yeah, what What do you What do you think has made Tanya uh, so loyal to the Invicta brand? Because you know she she has been uh, a, a name that's been long associated with the promotion, uh, both as as a challenger and a champion. And you know, it wasn't just a, a year or two ago here that, of course, now the UFC has expanded uh, women's weight divisions. But you know, there there was a time here not very long ago that the bantamweight uh, division was the only women's division. And so if you weighed 135 pounds or fought at 135, uh, understandably, a lot of ladies would have just already had one eye looking over there at the UFC. But she has always been so loyal to the Invicta brand. What what do you think is, uh, has has created that special bond with her? You know, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, that's definitely something that you'd have to, to ask Tanya. But, yeah. I mean, I know that from day one, uh, I mean, I've read some of the things Tony's had to say. You know, uh, I think 
I think that Tanya's the kind of athlete that is loyal as long as you are loyal to her, you know? And, yeah. you know, certainly I think that uh, she felt like she was at the end of her career before she came through Indica. And I think the way that, you know, we've treated her and respectfully, and, you know, her and I had conversations when I signed her. She was a little bit of a wild card back then. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we had conversations, and I was, you know, and I just put it out there. I was like, listen, you know, clean it up, you know, get ready. This is, you know, this is your shot. And I will stand behind you, and I will help. I'll provide, you know, this opportunity. I just need you to make sure that you embrace it and, you know, uh, do your best. And from there, I've never had a problem with her. Yeah. You know, we've, uh, she's actually one of my most low-maintenance athletes that I have, you know, when it comes to demands. And, you know, she's uh, and she's a very savvy competitor. So, I, you know, I'm going to say it's because of the way we treat her, you know, and the yeah. respect of having her. And, you know, we appreciate the fact that she's, She's here and she's loyal. Yeah, I, I think that must be it because I, I have interviewed her before and she's always spoke uh, uh, very highly of you and the promotion and and that it must be you know that sort of thing is contagious. I think when people are uh, you know feel appreciated, uh, they they want to show their appreciation for feeling that appreciation. Um, tell me now, let's talk about the undercard and what else is going on. Uh, on the, you mentioned Jin Yu Frey earlier. I know she's on the card. Uh, mm -hmm. Ashley Cummins. Uh, g give us kind of a rundown of uh, some other uh, fights to look out for here. Well, I think, you know, I mean, you know me. <laughs> I think they're all great fights. Yes. That's why they're on here. But, yeah. um, you know, I definitely think that people are going to want to pay attention to the Hamasaki, Hamasaki Livia fight. Suza. Yeah. Livia Suza. Now, Livia is a former champ. Hamasaki is a 105-pound champ. They're meeting at 115 pounds. I think that's a fight that people are going to want to pay attention to. I mean, certainly between them, you know, uh, we have a vacant 115 strawweight belt right now. It's vacant because Angela Hill moved it back over to the UFC. Yes. So I think that, you know, you're definitely going to want to watch that fight and the Deanna Bennett and the Jody Escobar fight. Because, you, know, you know, the winners out of those fights, providing that they have, you know, probably one of this little disclaimer here, providing that they have great performances, yeah. you know, are definitely uh, the contenders for the 115-pound strawweight title. So I think, you know, those are definitely fights that, you know, you're going to want to pay attention to. And, you know, they're great matchups. I think this is going to be a lot of fireworks. And, you know, Jin Frey, we are going to test her skills against uh, Janice Morandon, mm -hmm. which is an undefeated athlete coming out of Brazil. So I think that's going to be a great fight. But we got some new, we have some new athletes on this card too I, um, I'm looking down at you know Suna is face off with Mallory Martin and the only reason I call her Suna and I don't try to say her last name <laughs> is because I'm sure I'm going to butcher it <laughs> I mean when they have over here in Victor when they have really hard names I just always call by the first. I'm like, everybody should just know that's Suna. That's you fine. Know I mean? You know what? That that right there is the uh, Frank Mir school of uh, hard to pronounce names uh, uh, approach. He does the same thing, so it's, I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, I just don't want to send him a by butcher it. So, right. Right. You know, so that's why. But you know, I'm anxious to see that fight. I mean, that's what you know. Honestly, I'm really excited about the top part of the card, but I'm just as excited about the, you know, the lower half of the card and the matchups because, it, you know, it's young, fresh, new talent that's coming through that I think is going to be some real standouts. I mean, uh, Cal Holiday's back on. Uh, she brought Tiffany Van Soos. Yep. In her last, you know, uh, she was victorious in that fight. She's going to face Miranda Ma Maverick, which is an up-and-comer that seems really tough, really, you know, really... Uh, 
skills that, you know, really, uh, I think that, you know, you can see some glimpses of stardom in there. So, you know, those are the kind of fights I like to see as well. You, you know, know it, it's, it's always fun to find them when they're young and, you know, and bring them along. Well, that leads me to my next question, because, uh, you know, any promotion that is going to survive has got to have depth and they've got to have homegrown talent. It's great if, you know, you get a couple of more than a couple of marquee names associated with it. But uh, everybody's going to age and and that sort of thing. And so for the, you know, the big picture, the long haul, you've got to grow that uh, that talent. And so to that end, I mean, we're we're 22 cards into the the life of Invicta now. For you as a as a promoter, Shannon, what do you think you have have learned, or, or maybe some things that you 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 know to look out for now in terms of spotting new up and coming talent that that your experience has afforded you in in 2017 versus when you start this? What what do you look for? Um, you know, in regards to talent, you know, and learning. Um, you know, I think I'm still learning every day, to be honest with you. You know, even from, you know, the knowledge that you take as a matchmaker from, you know, when I work on the male side of sport. You know, I mean, you know, it's all kind of the same. You know, you, you know you're looking for certain uh, attributes, you know, use of, you know, all the tools in their arsenal, that kind of stuff, you know, how to train in the gym and in the fight and all that. You know, so that stuff doesn't really change. I think I'm noticing more now, you know, about personality. Yeah. I think that's where I'm learning more, is learning about personalities and how those personalities contribute to an athlete and what could potentially be their success rate. So when you go to athletes, you know, I think that's the interesting part is kind of seeing more about their lives and how their lives and personalities affect, you know, uh, them in the fight. You know, I think that a lot of times, you know, you'll see that. You know, you see a kid that, you know, takes a lot of obstacles in their lives or, you know, are really hungry, really motivated, really invested in their career and things like that. And they kind of have that, uh, no retreat, no surrender kind of personality, Yeah, you know, and, and that works well in the fight. So, you know, I think for me, that's where I'm learning more these days. I mean, I'm always learning stuff in the business world and learning, you know, uh, how to play well with others <laughs> in the space and, you know, you're always learning, but I think when it comes to the athletes, I think it's really getting learning more about them and what makes them tick. I think and and seeing more of the picture than just you know seeing them in the gym and seeing them at the you know in the fight and really figure out that star level and that power. Do you, you know, find what you're really getting? And, and, and do, yeah, and do you find that the maybe the younger athletes are are riding that learning curve along with you? I mean, I'm I'm guessing that. Uh, a, an up-and-coming mixed martial artist today versus one from even, let's say, 10 years ago may, right along with you, uh, realize the importance of being able to project a, a, a positive public personality as a, as, as a way to, to market themselves and for fans to know them better and things like that. Do you find that the, the, a lot of the athletes now are a little more savvy to that coming in? Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, I think there's a wealth of information out there now for female athletes. And I think that, you know, as, as well as, you know, being able to talk to people, you know, athletes who have been through that and, you know, been there and done that, I think it's way more acceptable now than it has been in the past. So mm -hmm. I, I think that, yeah, I think they're growing learning, you know, 10 years ago, you know, wasn't the, the cool thing, you know, for mm -hmm. a female athlete. 
you know, now it's cool. Mm. Now it's really the cool thing and the end thing. And I think they're learning and growing every day. And, you know, when you're a young athlete, I've got to imagine that, you know, you're really trying to figure out who you are. Yeah. You know, and especially as an athlete. And, you know, you're learning and growing every day. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more information out there to assist athletes today, especially female athletes. You know, and I think they're getting a lot more attention in the gyms these days than they have in the past. Oh, that's first. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, uh, right? You know, oh, yeah. I mean, I see that every day. In fact, sometimes I wonder if there's not a little bit of an advantage these days because everybody knows how, uh, uh, you know, sought after a commodity uh, a, a top female talent can be. And so sometimes I wonder right? if, if they don't get the first look now as opposed to uh, uh, having to, you know, wait around to, to, get, to get noticed. You know, um, Invicta... Well, I don't know. Take a look at this, Richard. Yeah. I mean, the other day I was reading, you know, and I can only go by what I read, but the other day I was reading where, uh, you know, and I came up to the ranks of the male side of the sport. So the other day I'm looking and I, I was reading payouts on Bellator and they had an athlete that was making a pro debut. Pro debut on a, uh, it was a female athlete. They yeah. paid eight and eight. So 8000 to show, 8000 to win. Yeah. They would never pay a male athlete. No. Never no. in a million years. Yeah. Yeah. Never, no. ever, ever. <laughs> in a million years would they pay a pro debut athlete that. Well, unless it was somebody coming, you know, I don't know, some WWE guy or yeah. something like that. You know, some quirky, uh, you know, kind of thing like that you know you know what's, yeah, then they would pay that you, you know what's funny about that and i i just you're you're you inspired a thought i did not plan to talk about this but it's an interesting subject i'll just get your thoughts here when i hear something like that that is frustrating certainly but the other thing that comes to my mind is as a promoter wouldn't it seem like if you had any ability at all to not do that that you wouldn't do it just so that two people like you and myself on public airwaves wouldn't have the opportunity to talk about it in a critical manner. I mean, it just seems like no, I, I mean, would. It just seems like I would pay a little more just as an insurance policy that nobody could hang that around my neck. You know, the sad thing about it is, well, first of all, the athlete lost. Yeah. That wasn't great. So uh. you know, there you have it. But the bottom line is, why do that to the landscape? Yeah, right. You know, in the first right. place. Yeah. You drive that, I mean, you drive those figures up like that, you know, and maybe it's because, you know, they can't get the athletes they're looking for or whatever, but you put that value on it like that. You know, that athlete, let's say the athlete won, and they keep winning. Pretty soon they drive that price up, but what if they're not selling the tickets or not? I mean, it just causes a disarray mm. of what, you know. And and then I always feel sorry for male athletes. Oh, what, now the girls are just, <laughs> the it things are now, you know. I don't know. I, you know, I just think it should be even across the board. If you're going to pay that much for, you should pay that much for, you know, then go. Yes. And there wasn't anything like, you know, anything special or spectacular, not a well-decorated, you know, uh, Olympic re uh, female wrestler or a, you know, not anything. There was not anything out of the, you know, the norm. I'm right. just, you know. Yeah, nothing that so, would nothing that would scream uh, uh, advance uh, yeah. sight unseen ticket sales, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it would have to be something like that for them to find a male. Yeah. It would, they would have to be bringing something big to the table with it, if they were a male to get that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, especially in a pro debut. Yeah. No. Oh. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I've just never seen anything like that, like in our sport. You know, like I said, unless you're bringing something to the table, like you were a WWE guy or a Herschel Walker, you are a football player. You know, there always has to be something else to it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just interesting. But, you know, they drive that price up, in, you know, in sport. And, you know, uh, I think it'll fizzle out. You know, I don't think they're doing the sport justice by doing that. All right, let me ask you another little bonus question you just uh, 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 triggered in, in my head. It's always interesting talking to you because you make me think about things that uh, I, I didn't necessarily plan to, to mention, but you just said something oh, interesting. You're, sorry. You're, no, it's great. Listen, that's that's uh, that's what podcasts are built on, so we're good. <laughs> uh, trust me, not all guests all right. are like that, uh, so so it's good. Uh, you, know, um, you, you know, you mentioned, like, for example, somebody like Herschel Walker who had had uh, some, some success uh, over in Strike Force. I, I I think, you know, all things considered, given how late in his career he got into mixed martial arts and all that. But um, have you had any females of note that have contacted you that are maybe known from some other uh, realm of, of, of entertainment or athleticism that are, have maybe put out feelers about uh, getting into to female mixed martial arts, the way we've seen it happen on the male side? Yeah, you know... Um a female wrestler, you know, uh, you know, in the, I think it, I'd have to look again. I don't only to this, but I think it was WWE. Yeah. That was kind of segue out of there. You know, there's been some talk. We haven't went very far in the conversation, but just has shown some interest, you know, because I'm yeah. not out there shopping sure. for those areas. Sure. You know, yeah. but, uh, you know, I do have a, a female that fights here now that's on the Olympic team, you know, um, mm-hmm. So, you know, things like that, but really nothing too, too out of the ordinary. Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, that it, I, I'm trying to think. Well, it shows you where we're at that, you know, now it's those athletes that are noticing, they're looking over the fence into the uh, the backyard of mixed martial arts, starting to think that that looks attractive to them. That's interesting. Yeah, well, no, I think it's changing. So, Always and forever changing. Thank goodness, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So uh, Saturday night, once again, is going to be Invicta 22 right there in Invicta's backyard of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, you can watch it exclusively on UFC's Fight Pass. And uh, I guess finally, Shannon, you know, talking about being in, in St. Louis again, um, you know, I, I, it seems like the people there, uh, the mixed martial arts fans, must be so uh, – it's kind of spoiled with this because you get to have so many events there. Do you have your, I'm imagining you must have regulars that come to every one of these cards that you just kind of know by facial recognition when you see them now. Yeah, no, we do. And, and not to correct you, but I have to correct you. It's in Kansas City. Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City I, is you know, of, yeah, for, so. for as long as I have been going to St. Louis, this is this will show my uh, my Texan to Nevada transplant ignorance. For as long as I have been going to Kansas City and St. Louis, I have never completely understood. Okay, is it is it Kansas or is it Missouri, Kansas City? Is it? Uh, I know St. Louis is close. How far away is it? So yes, Kansas it's City. Okay, it's both. Yeah, okay. it's actually Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, what, and what, what really what, happens there is it's separated by the Missouri River. And which That's side it. is your, so where, where's Invicta going to be? Is it going to be in Kansas, or is it going to be in Missouri, right? Kansas City, Missouri. In Missouri. Oh, okay. The, yeah. <laughs> and then St. Louis is several hours away from us. Oh, gosh. Well, I was so, way off on that. All right. Yeah. Very well. All right. Well, all right. No worries. Uh, yeah. No so worries. Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. No worries on that. But you were saying you got your you got your regulars, the people you're you're seeing every week or yeah. every uh, fight card. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny because you become, you know, and I try to to connect with the fans, you know, like make them feel like they're, you know, part of it, you know, that kind of deal. So it's really, so I do get out in the crowd and I do kind of mingle and, and look around and things like that. So what's really amazing to me is that I will see people that I have seen at every one of my shows. Yeah. All 22. Yeah. That follow us, whether we're in California, we're in Las Vegas, we're, you know, one time we did a show in Iowa. You know, <laughs> yeah. They kind of follow us oh, yeah. everywhere that we've been. So, yeah, you do start to see those familiar faces, you know, and I think it's important when you do see faces like that that are, are coming to every show and, you know, and you're beginning to recognize them. I think it's really at that point that, you know, I always try to say thank you, you know, because it's yeah. big. It's a, it's a huge importance back to appreciate that they take the time and spend the money to support the athletes and Invicta. I mean, that's a huge deal. Completely. But it's also a very proud moment that somebody cares enough about what you're doing that they make it such an effort. No, that's that's a great point. And you talk about taking the fight uh, promotion on the road. Uh, any uh, any any plans over the, the summer and the fall to, to do that? I guess selfishly I'm wondering when you might be back our, uh, our way, Las Vegas and Southern California and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's possible. Um, there's a, a venue out there now that's approaching me again to come out to Las Vegas. Um, we just haven't, you know, finalized any dates, and I'm kind of working on that. Um, also, a poss- good possibility we may be back out in the California area. Great. So, a um, couple things up in the air that, you know, we just haven't finalized, so so I haven't talked about them much. But, yeah, I mean, we're definitely looking around. Uh, one of the big deals about staying close to home, which is, you know, Kansas City for us, is that I've been wanting, you know, I've been working on the boxing side of wanting to launch Invicta Boxing Championship. Mm. So, so I've kind of been working on that and, uh, you know, it just gives me kind of that nice safe zone to, to have more time because this is cookie cutter for me to, you know, have that time to work on the other project. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense to to uh, to grow it from home. Well, uh, right there at home is uh, where you're going to see Invicta 22 this Saturday night, uh, live from Kansas City. And it, again, uh, UFC Fight Pass. If you don't have this thing, you're missing out. It is uh, it's the Netflix of mixed martial arts. It's an amazing value for uh, ten bucks a month, uh, sometimes less if you if you buy it a couple of months in advance. And uh, you can watch Invicta 22 live this Saturday. Saturday night, uh, of course, headlined by Tanya Avenger, uh, defending her uh, uh, Invicta Bantamweight title in a much-anticipated rematch against Yana uh, Kanetskawa. So, uh, Shannon, always appreciate the time. Thank you. Good luck with the event Saturday. I know it's going to be great. They always are, and I'll be at home watching. Well, thank you, Richard. I always appreciate you guys supporting us and, you know, having me on. So, you got to take care of yourself. So there was Shannon Knapp. I had to apologize to her, Frank, that uh, you know we, we couldn't both be on with her at once, but I explained your cruise predicament, and she completely understood. So she said to tell you hello. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to her Invictus. Yeah, yeah, Saturday, man. That's going to be a good one. You know, that's the rematch of uh, what I was just talking to Shannon about. It's the rematch of their Bantamweight champion, Tanya Evinger, uh, defending her title against uh, uh, Yana. Y- oh, crap. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pulling a Frank Mir here. 
uh, uh, she's uh, and Shannon was having a hard time pronouncing her last name as well. But uh, this the is the girl that got her head stepped on. Yeah, that and one. In, yeah. That one. The one that uh, where the referee said you can't uh, push on the head to free yourself of an arm bar, and he was incorrect. You know, fortunately for Tanya Frank, that decision got overturned because Tanya Evinger has had a win streak going that's lasted over five years. Yeah, it's sad to see when people make mistakes, but I mean, referees are human and, and mistakes occur. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, I don't think the referee ever wants to go in there making themselves to be the headline of a fight. I think the, the best referees hope to be almost unheard of as far as, you know, when the fight's over with, you didn't even really notice the referee. Uh, but mistakes are made, and it's sad that, you know, it, it did cost uh, her a victory there, you know, getting, getting an arm barred. You know, she's defending it a very uh, uh, legal way, and, and you're right. I'm glad they were able to overturn that and so that she get another shot and redemption for both fighters. Yeah, that Tanya Evinger is an interesting character too. I, uh, I I I I follow her on Twitter and I see stuff about her every once in a while. And I know she's got some interesting idiosyncrasies. Like she apparently vomits after every fight. Like it's just uh, it's involuntary. She just you know third round or fifth round ends if it's a title fight for whatever reason, uh, adrenaline dump, and she just throws up right there in the cage. I know that about her. And then I recently saw on Twitter she was mad at someone and was tweeting to people asking if anybody knew where this person lived. Like <laughs> I, she was going to go see them or so like as you were going to tweet a home address. I think, golly, that's that's pretty hardcore, you know? <laughs> Yikes. All right. I like her. One way to get it done. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to get her on the show. Maybe uh, she uh, has a successful defense of that title. We'll uh, we'll have a night. She seems like a fun one, uh, you know, for, for summertime backyard podcasting. She seems like she'd be a lot of fun just to sit around the backyard with and uh, trade uh, trade stories. All right, Frank. Sounds like a plan. Right. Let's do this. I must let you get off to uh, – some connecting flight in a country that has Stan uh, at the end of it, which always makes me nervous. Uh, so <laughs> we'll we'll tell everybody how to support the show. First and foremost, have you been to the newly redesigned phoneboothfighting.com? If you haven't, please go check it out. Uh, I think you'll be impressed with what you're seeing. The new website's getting rave reviews. It's a, it's a real proper website that uh, was put together by our uh, friends uh, Galen and uh, with some assistance from uh, one of our good listeners, Davey. A couple of good Canadians that have been very helpful in uh, getting a website together for us. Phoneboothfighting.com. You're going to see the Amazon banner right there, Amazon.com. Right there on the front page, as soon as you go to the website, do us a favor. If you're shopping on Amazon, and I know you are because everybody does, before you start your shopping, click through that banner. That helps to support the show, and it uh, incurs no additional cost on your part. Frank and I would really appreciate it if you would do that. Click through our Amazon.com banner on the front of PhoneBoothFighting.com to do your shopping and support the show. Secondly, PhoneBoothFighting merchandise. The link is right there at the top of PhoneBoothFighting.com. T-shirts, multiple styles, multiple colors, all sizes, shipping now, autographed posters, uh, new merchandise items soon to come. I've been getting a lot of online interest, Frank, in this phone booth fighting rash guard. Looks like we may be headed toward uh, designing our first ever rash guard. People want this thing. 
Awesome. So we'll That's good. start putting together some design ideas for that. Uh, also, uh, all of our previously aired episodes are archived there, available for download or listening, uh, streaming right off the desktop. Videos, you can subscribe to our Phone Booth Fighting YouTube channel. I got an idea. What you got? I don't, it'll be an image of you choking out. It won't be him because copyright-wise, but somebody that resembles Vic. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Okay. All right. We may have to uh put one of our one of our artists to work on uh on, on that design. Hey, what's the worst thing that could happen? A cease and desist and then he has to see me in court? I'd like to get that guy <laughs> under oath. I think we'd get some real answers for a change. Uh, to there some pressing questions. Force All right. the confrontation. That's right. You can uh, <laughs> follow us on social media. I'm on uh, Facebook at Official Richard Hunter, Twitter and Instagram at Richard Hunter. Frank, he's on there as well. Official Frank Mir on Facebook and at the Frank Mir on Twitter and Instagram. Frank, you know uh, how to take it from here. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram will be phone booth fighting and Snapchat and uh, Twitter phone booth fight. Are you going to be Snapchatting while you're overseas? I will. I'll hook up to it. I just uh, don't know what kind of uh, cell service I'm going to have out there. Uh, okay. Sometimes when I, you know, obviously Manchester was pretty easy. Uh, yeah. My phone converted quite over, but, you know, I've been places like Chechnya and, and my phone didn't work. <laughs> and so uh, I, I don't know about uh, uh, Kazakhstan. Uh, uh, we'll see. You All know, right. uh, Hopefully, I can do, at least hook into a Wi-Fi, so I'll have those moments. Yeah, do that. Snapchat when you can, and uh, the listeners will like seeing that at uh, Phone Booth Fight. All right, for Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter, and uh, we appreciate you listening. Tell a friend. Please spread the word about Phone Booth Fighting. Give us that five-star review on our iTunes page. We really would appreciate it. Help us grow this thing, and uh, we'll see you next time. Everybody was kung fu. They fought with